Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Senate control. Democrats will continue to hold a narrow majority in the Senate after Nevada's Senate race was called in favor of pro-abortion Catherine Cortez Masto. Republican lawmakers say the midterm results confirm a stark divide in the nation. Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma joins us to discuss the new landscape on Capitol Hill and what it means for the fight to end abortion. Analyzing the women vote. A strong majority of women voted for Democrat candidates in the midterm elections, and many of them said it was due to their views on abortion. We're joined by Janae Strachey of Heritage Action to try and make sense of why women still believe that they need abortion to be happy and successful. Supporting pro-family businesses. A Christian-inspired clothing and accessories brand for children aims to ease the shopping experience this Christmas season by providing an alternative to large anti-family corporations. The founders of Lily and Lamb join us in studio to talk about their mission and why it is important to buy from businesses that support our values and beliefs. We kick off our show with an election update. Democrats will maintain a razor-thin majority in the Senate as pro-abortion Catherine Cortez Masto was declared the winner in the Nevada Senate race after a long slog of vote counting. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer calls the midterms a victory and a vindication for Democrats. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell describes the extremely narrow margins in both the House and Senate as confirmation of a closely divided nation. We spoke to Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma earlier this week to get his thoughts on the new landscape on Capitol Hill. Joining me now is Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. Senator, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on your reelection. I want to speak with you first about the abortion issue. What do you think is the best course of action for the Senate moving forward on this? Senator Graham has introduced a bill that would stop abortions at the point when babies feel pain. You represent a state that has essentially banned abortion, gone even farther than that. So do you think that that 15-week limit is strong enough? So to me, it's not strong enough on this, but that's going to be a state-by-state -state decision on this. So there's going to be two different levels of argument on it. One is each state is going to have to be able to come to where they are as a state. Uh, what, what do you value as children? Uh, some states don't value the life of children at all. They think some children are disposable and some children are valuable. And so they're going to have very different issues on this. And so culturally within that state, there's going to have to be a conversation on how they're going to do this. But also nationally, we're going to have to have arguments as well. Years ago, nationally, we banned what's called partial birth abortion uh, because the country thought that was a horrific procedure. And even years ago, when Roe v. Wade was still in place, our, our nation banned partial birth abortion. We're going to continue to be able to have that argument to say, as a nation, what point do we say as a nation, no matter what your state is deciding, we as a country think that's that's too far. Mm. Now, what Lindsey Graham has brought up is basically a late-term abortion bill to say at the very end, when this child is most certainly viable and can feel pain, uh, are we going to still have abortions even at that point? So there's that national argument to be able to determine at what point is this too far, no matter what state that you're in, but in each state, there's going to be a different argument as well as what we see. So quite frankly, what the court has done, the Dobbs decision, is push this back out to the people to be able to have the argument about how much does our culture value life. Mm -hmm. And I believe we should value the life of every single child. Let's have that dialogue. 
I appreciate your take on that. And obviously, Republicans did not win as many seats as a lot of people projected, but they do seem to have won back the House. What can we expect the dynamic to be on Capitol Hill during these next two years, especially when it comes to advancing pro-family, pro-life policies? So I think this is still going to be this ongoing national dialogue. I think the House is going to have one set of conversations. The Senate will have another one, obviously, with Democrats in control of the Senate. They've been very outspoken that they want to advance and increase abortions in America. The House will now be in a position to say, no, we need to decrease it. That's going to at least cause people across the country to be able to talk about how do we value children. We forget on the partial birth abortion ban. That took a very long time to be able to actually put in place as we as a nation talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. There were several failed votes in that process. We now look at it as a culture and think, I can't believe that we ever allowed partial birth abortion as a country, why this is such a no-brainer, but it took a while to be able to get to that spot. So I think we're going to have that same kind of dialogue now nationally, and we're going to have that same dialogue uh, locally. So I encourage people not only to get involved in volunteering in pregnancy resource centers and finding ways to be able to support moms and dads in those crisis moments, but also in education, talking about it with your children, talking about it with uh, community groups and with college groups. They need to discuss this issue of life. If you're at all articulate in this issue, you need to get out and be able to talk about it. But it also needs to be working on your local legislatures as well in your states to be able to make decisions locally. So, again, it's a multifaceted conversation value, uh, centered around this one thing. Are children valuable? I believe that they are. So let's have that dialogue. All right. Well, Senator James Langford of Oklahoma, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Very glad to do it. President Biden's administration is continuing to use America's increasingly dangerous border crisis to advance their political agenda. Now they're placing pregnant migrant women into pro-abortion states. The Department of Health and Human Services recently issued detailed guidelines instructing their staff on how to coax migrant women into obtaining abortions. The guidelines say migrants must be informed of their option to be transported to a pro-abortion state. Many of these states are now forcing taxpayers to fund the needs of these out-of-state women seeking abortions, including transportation, lodging, and more. Katie Glenn, state policy director for SBA Pro-Life America, joins me now to explain more. Katie, thanks for joining us. When President Biden and leaders in pro-abortion states started promoting this idea of abortion tourism, that was alarming to a lot of us. But now they've gone even further, and they've put rules in place that essentially prioritize planting women who aren't even American into U.S. states where they will immediately be preyed upon by the abortion industry. What's your reaction? Well, what is most troubling about this new policy, and it's just part of the continued agenda uh, to push abortion over any other, other choice, other option, other priority for this woman, is that this policy is specific to unaccompanied minors. So these are young girls who are alone. They don't have their parents. Many of them are non-English speakers or English is not their first language. And now the administration is saying abortion is the only solution for you. We're going to send you somewhere where it's going to be pushed on you and your parents can't help you. And certainly the state does not have your best interest in mind. So frustrating. And, and do you think this will have an impact on women who weren't even thinking about having an abortion when they came into this country? Absolutely. These are young girls. They're being told this is the only option for you. This is the best option for you, um, with no mention of the financial incentive for the administration to do this, because certainly, um, you know, this is an unaccompanied minor they're now responsible for. So the information she's getting 
from whoever in the government is telling her to get an abortion is biased. The information she's going to be getting in that abortion clinic is biased. No one has her best interests in mind. Mm. And we know that states like California and Colorado are planning to spend an obscene amount of taxpayer dollars on abortions for women who are coming in from out of state in the coming months and years. Can you tell us, will these migrant women specifically be eligible for these taxpayer-funded abortions? Well, it certainly seems to be the goal, particularly of California Governor Newsom, to pay for every single abortion that he possibly can using taxpayer money. So I don't know why he wouldn't try to loop this in. We've already seen efforts in California to try to make women Medicaid eligible um, just for this one procedure, even though they don't live in the state. So far, that's been unsuccessful, but we'll see what they do here. Um, but what we know is that this is totally coerced. She's not getting accurate information. And certainly her, her values and her desires are not being prioritized when she's being pushed towards this abortion. Mm. And Katie, was there anything else that you read within these new guidelines that concern you? I think clearly just showing that um, regardless of where even, you know, she might have family in the United States, they are going to put her in a state that has a radical abortion agenda versus where she might be familiar, where it might be closer to home or where her family might even be. Mm. So it's prioritizing abortion over everything else as soon as they find out that this young woman is pregnant. Mm. It seems like they really want to isolate these women. It's quite incensing. Thank you so much for joining us. Katie Glenn of SBA Pro-Life America. We'll continue to track this. Thank you. As election returns are analyzed, The Hill reports that a whopping 72% of young women ages 18 to 29 voted in favor of Democrats in House races, largely due to their support for abortion. Many of these women live in battleground states. Many of them are unmarried, but that age demographic was a pariah among others. The majority of older women, married women, southern rural women, and middle to upper income women voted Republican. And also this week, President Donald Trump, whose administration promoted many pro-life policies, announced his bid for re-election in 2024. And I'm joined now in studio by Janae Strackey, the director of Grassroots at Heritage Action. Janae, thanks so much for joining me. I want to jump right in here. These findings beg the question, why do so many young women in our country believe that they need abortion still to succeed and to be happy? And why, why are they voting for Democrats due to those feelings? Yeah, there is a lot of fear-mongering going on. Um, there are so many lies from the left coming that were spewed, and I think largely through social media, um, where that demographic is getting their information. Right. It's not um, out and about with neighbors, it's with peers, and it's with social media. And the left does a really good job of, of that fear-mongering, that this is something they need. Um, and, and studies will show that the more someone understands the issue of abortion, the less they're in favor of it. Mm. So even though a majority of young women um, went out and voted for this. I mean, Roe v. Wade was overturned this year. Right. That was a huge win for us. And, um, you know, I was reading in Acts 19 the other day, and this is the riots in Ephesus where um, the gospel is being spread and people are losing money because they're no longer buying 
idols. Mm. So they're literally losing money. That is the abortion mill. They are losing money when abortions are not happening. And so what do they want to do? They want to cause confusion. And in Acts 19, it actually says at this riot that people came and there was confusion. One people, someone was saying this and someone else was saying another. There was a confusion amongst them. They didn't even know why they were there. Mm. And in the rallies that I've been outside the Supreme Court ad and talking with um, some of these young protesters, it's exactly that. Yeah. There's confusion. They don't know what these laws really say, and they're they're afraid for their future. Yeah, that's a really insightful parallel. And, you know, as I mentioned before, it's also been noted that unmarried women skewed Democrat. And I came across a study in EV Magazine from a couple years ago showing that a lot of people that are unhappy are also unmarried women who, who don't have children yet. Yeah. So what is it about the Democrats' message, I wonder? I'd love to hear your thoughts. That's That's pulling these women in, making them think that they're going to be happier. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is a direct attack on the family is what it is. And these, a lot of these young girls haven't experienced what a strong, stable family looks like. They haven't experienced a strong, stable relationship. And uh, the left and, and so many people want to paint this as a woman's issue, that only women should be talking about abortion. It's, it's our body. We should be addressing this. Now, of course, we know there's another body involved in this, but there's also another person in fault in this and that's the man and uh, they need a voice in this as well and we need men to step up and be strong providers um, because the at the end of the day, it is um, a strong family that's going to help heal this issue. Um, but I think so many of them haven't experienced that and when they don't see um, support um, from their boyfriend or whoever it is, um, they feel alone, they yeah. feel trapped. Mm. And shifting gears for a minute, I want to get your thoughts, your quick reaction to the very recent news that President Donald Trump will be running for re-election in 2024. He, you know, promoted a lot of pro-life policies with his administration when he was in office. How do you think his campaign is going to shape the landscape um, in these next two years leading up to Election Day? Well, I know that the abortion issue is important. Exit polls showed that, and these young voters voted for it. But we can't ignore the states that did incredibly well. Um, states like Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, all of those governors won with much larger numbers than their last election, and they all passed pro-life legislation. This is an issue that people are engaging in, and we are winning in the states. So I, I think the rallying cry to um, conservatives um, and, and President Trump and whoever else decides to run, that this is an issue they need to run on because people do care. And as I said earlier, the more people know about this issue, the more clear you are about your message, the more they support it. Mm -hmm. um, people do not want an abortion for all up until nine months for any reason. That is not what they support, and uh, we've seen that. Yeah, I appreciate your take on that. And we have time for one more question. Wanted to get your thoughts on some news out of Georgia, whose voters, by the way, just voted against pro-abortion Stacey Abrams for governor for the second time, um, a judge in Georgia just ruled to overturn the state's heartbeat law. Yeah. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> a complete boondoggle, right? <laughs> this is this is the left freaking out because they're losing. They're losing money. And so what are they going to do? They're going to go down every legal trail that they possibly can. And we should expect that. Sure. Every state should expect that. And as we continue to fight and pass pro-life legislation, you should expect these legal battles. It will be fought. Um, the state has yet to appeal, um, but I expect that coming soon. Um, and every state should gear up for this. It was a fight to overturn Roe v. Wade, and it's going to be a fight in the states as well, but we're ready for it. Right. A 50-front battle, as everyone's saying. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Janae Stracky of Heritage Action. Thank you.
Coming up, couples are using their wedding registries to raise money for abortions in an effort to do something, quote, meaningful, I speak out. Plus, the founders of a high-quality Christian brand join us in studio with their children to talk about the importance of buying products from businesses that reflect our values and our views. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. We're seeing reports that couples are using their wedding registries to raise money for the Planned Parenthood abortion regime. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Most engaged couples use their wedding registry to invite their close family and friends into the exciting process of turning a house into their first home, a place where they will raise their children together. But some couples want you to pay for other people's abortions. A story in the New York Times reports that couples using wedding websites like The Knot and Zola to create their wedding registries have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for groups like the National Network of Abortion Funds. When couples choose to do this, they are missing the entire point of getting married, which is ultimately to procreate. Nothing could be more selfish and heartless than attempting to force your wedding guests to contribute to the intentional killing of innocent lives. Our message to these couples, stop using an occasion that's supposed to celebrate two lives coming together in order to literally tear two lives apart, the child from the mother's womb. Our message to people everywhere, don't go to weddings where the couple supports their local abortion fund and don't use wedding websites that are playing an active role in destroying the nuclear family. A Christian-inspired clothing and accessories brand for children aims to help ease the shopping experience this Christmas season. Lillian Lamb is a faith-based business which opened its doors early this year in March with a mission to inspire a pro-family, pro-Christian culture. Their high-quality products bring to life teachings and stories of the Catholic faith. And joining me now in studio are Katie Ratliff and Annalie Schroffnagel, founders of Lily and Lamb. Ladies, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Yeah, Katie, I want to start with you. Talk to me about how you guys got your start. Well, you know, when you look at today's culture, what's going on, especially in this battle for life, it can be a little discouraging and you can feel helpless. Like, what can I, one person, do? Well, I think Annalie and I are both very passionate, and we are doers, and we felt called to action. And that led us to meet through friends who were launching a ministry called Yumi and NFP, which celebrates the church's teaching on family and marriage. Yes. So we had a great time working, building that brand, and we worked really well together. And we felt like God was calling us to use our backgrounds to create a mission-driven business. So long story short, after a whole lot of brainstorming, we came up with Lily and Lamb, which is a Christian-inspired clothing and accessories brand for children. And here we are. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> and we have some of your kids yes. with us here today. Yeah. Talk to me about what it's like for both of you to be mo mothers and entrepreneurs. Kind of, you know, you're, you're doing it all. A lot of women are told that they can't. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that, that's so true because especially recently there's been a lot of female celebrities come out who are speaking about their abortions with pride and that it's helped them in their careers. And I, I just think that's really sad and it's not the message we want to give our children. Right. That, you know, you have to 
go through that type of action in order to work and have a career. So for me personally, it's definitely having children has definitely changed how I approach work, but I can tell you it's more balanced, more joyful, and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, well, and you have one on the way as yes. well. Congratulations yes. on that. <laughs> Thank so you. exciting. Annalie, some of the kids are wearing some of the clothes. Could you tell me a little bit about what they're wearing? Yes. So, for example, the dress here, at first a person might think, beautiful little dress, yeah. but as you look closer, it has a Lamb of God pattern in the, the textile, so beautiful. which is really fascinating, the conversation that that brings. And the Catholic Church has been so incredible for centuries of evangelization through beauty and the arts, yeah. the Sistine Chapel, the Basilica, like how many people throughout the world with all these different backgrounds and ideologies are unified in this sense of awe at these masterpieces. So. We think that we need to be really innovative with evangelization in our culture right now, and so Lillian Lamb wants to lead with beauty. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I could not agree more. And could you guys tell us a little bit about where we can buy the clothes, and especially leading up to Black Friday and Christmas, you know, it's time to get our shopping on. Yes, so. yes, busy time. So uh, you can visit our website at lilyandlamb.com. We also have an Instagram account, which is lily.and.lamb. And we'd love to offer your audience a 10% off code, ProLife10, so That's they can wonderful. use that code when they're shopping. ProLife10. Well, yes. thank you so much. We'll be sure to encourage all of our viewers to, to shop Lily and Lamb. Thank you guys as well for your witness to life and just the beautiful lives that you lead. And thank you so much, kids, for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing Pro-Life Weekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.